so we've seen relations between South Korea and a whole number of countries become a little more frayed. North Korea and China certainly among them. The US, there's been a level of uncertainty. But today we're focusing on Japan, at least for now. Uh, we've gone the longest period this year without a Japanese ambassador based in Seoul. The protests that Tokyo showed over that wartime sexual slavery statue placed outside its consulate in Busan. Let's now bring in a noted voice on this subject, Professor Alexis Dudden, Professor of History at the University of Connecticut. Great to have you here. Nice to be here, thank you. And you've been a regular voice for us, actually, but can you just give us a quick rundown of how you've got embroiled in this particular issue? How well, you've done it voluntarily? <laughs> it, that was an accident. But I think to, to get to your point, uh, Ambassador Yasumasa's recall over the statue in uh, Pusan is an entirely unnecessary act on Japan's part insofar as so many analysts, so many insiders have gone over and over the December 28, 2015 deal and there is actually no commitment on South Korea's part to take down either the statue in Seoul, let alone this latest one in Busan, insofar as there is apparently a commitment from President Park to try to appeal to the citizens, groups, etc., to withdraw the statue. But the idea that Japan has gone to the level of ambassadorial recall, consul general recall, simply stirs a pot that actually needs to focus on real issues. And this, to me, at this particular juncture, reveals weaknesses in Abe's general foreign policy while he tries to present himself and Japan as the strongest American ally. Yeah, I mean, you've very modestly glossed over it, by the way, but you've been a very prominent foreign, and it's very important, that foreign voice, i.e., objective on on the issue of of sexual slavery uh, if i may say so professor dudden and just to clarify is should this be such a political issue or should this be considered more of an international legal issue I think the latter is the most important. The way you've put it, international law is precisely what those of us who support the victims, the very few survivors that still remain, should be the focus, not the politicization between Japan and South Korea, or let alone Japan and the rest of Asia. Because really what's happened by this being such a hot topic politically between Seoul and Tokyo is that it, it occludes the victims from throughout the areas of the Japan's former empire, Taiwan mainland China, Indonesia, Vietnam, the Chamorro women of the Marianas. We saw recently women in the Philippines women complaining. Women in the Philippines. Yep. And so, you know, the, the idea that this is something between Japan and Korea could not be further from historical reality or living truth. So, the idea of taking this to an international plane is precisely what supporters have been trying to do since the story broke yeah. in 1991. Why the why we use the term sexual slavery, for example. In Korean, we are fortunate to have the term halmoni because it's the word that most of the survivors feel most comfortable with themselves. Mm -hmm. The term in English, comfort woman, is really a horrendous euphemism for something that was neither comfortable nor was it all women. You know, there were girls 
girls, there were men and boys involved in this system. And so all of the words that we use matter, but the ones that matter most are the ones that help the survivors. And so sexual slavery is the term that the United Nations uses today for victims of ongoing conflicts that target women, girls, especially during wartime. Security Council Resolution 1825 most specifically goes after this. It was a Japanese Japanese professor of international law who introduced the term sexual slavery. Well, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan suggested that uh, the deal that was done uh, at the end of 2015 um, needs to be honoured from Seoul for its international credibility. If a new administration comes in, figuratively tears it up and goes down the route that you've just explained, will that actually look bad globally? I don't think so at all, because what looks bad globally is the government of Japan denying a known historical atrocity. It's in Japan's interests always to acknowledge that this truth happened, and that was the positive nature of the deal struck in December 2015, insofar as the government of Japan recognized that this history happened, which in most respects took us back to 1993 to the Kono Statement, but at least gave us a baseline of Japanese official culpability. Now, the problem is, as here in South Korea, as the presidential campaigning breaks out over this, there is guaranteed further politicization. And on top of this, now that Japanese Foreign Minister Kishida has thrown the Dokdo uh, bomb into the fire, we can only be sure that these issues will be part of the spring's presidential campaigning stoop. So it's it's deeply unfortunate that Abe is sort of covering his bases at home by stirring up trouble with South Korea when, you know, it's, it's noticeable that over this past weekend, you've got Aegis destroyers from Japan, South mm. Korea, and the United States monitoring a potential ICBM launch from North Korea, while at the same time, the government of Japan is protesting Korean territory on an Olympic website. And I don't mean to throw all of this into one sentence, but it keeps being handled as if it's all lumped together. When we still have 39 victims in South Korea alone, we have many more throughout the areas of the former empire who would like a modicum of dignity while they're still alive that acknowledges the truth of the horror they endured. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely right. For anyone who's observed this for years, we see those Dokdo islets get tied together with sexual slavery, for example, in the same breath repeatedly. But you presumably have some sympathy for the conservative position here, or the position that many conservatives have, that they, they recognize the importance of having a decent trade relationship with Tokyo, for example. Absolutely. Not only do I recognize the the conservative position, it's actually a fairly conservative position to acknowledge one's national interests. Mm -hmm. And one's national interests begin by acknowledging suffering of one's own people. And so I don't actually think that the conservative position here denies the history that happened to the women. Well, this and is where conservative exactly, it gets requires murky, a different definition. But they would like to tone down the anti-Japanese rhetoric on the street. Um, and so I think it's, it's fair to say that uh, maybe the supporters of the comfort women feel sold out by the government last year with the December 28th agreement because they were not particularly consulted in what terminology would be best, what the women would want. And certainly no supporter would have included any mention of the statues knowing the volatility on the street of that particular topic. At the same time, 
trade matters enormously with Japan. Citizen exchange matters enormously with Japan. And at the moment, we haven't seen, for example, we haven't seen the cancellation of student groups going back and forth. When the Dokdo bomb hits the fire, that's when things get canceled. The issue of former sexual slaves doesn't cancel relations until this latest act by the government、yeah. of Japan. And so, from outside, again, outside the region, it's important to notice what this particular action of Japan's entails. It's the attempted erasure of a memorial to victims of an atrocity. I mean, from Japanese perspectives on this, and I feel I have to duck out the way after saying this.、Um, is it necessary to have a, a permanent mon- monument, which is what a statue looks like directly outside a, a mission? It's necessary to have as many monuments as survivors want until they feel they are part of the national story and international history. And when people make the argument that, well, imagine if there was a Holocaust memorial outside a German embassy, how do you think the Germans would feel? There are plenty of Holocaust memorials just across the street from German embassies、yes. around the world. Germany knows it's in Germany's national interests to acknowledge that horror, and it would be in the government of Japan's national interest. And international credibility to volunteer to build these monuments, not to make the story go away, but to demonstrate that Japan is a member of the international community in good standing, worthy of the Security Council seat that it arguably deserves but certainly wants. So, if we are to believe that Japan upholds the dignity of all human beings during catastrophic conflict, Then it would be in Japan's interest not to try to erase the three and a half foot bronze marker、mm. to women whose lives were trashed to the 20th century. Well, I'll now go and cleanse myself of the role of、um, devil's advocate. I mean, as far as、uh, the future is concerned, there are, very sadly, less than 40 known so called comfort women.、Um, and that terminology itself is controversial, of course, but、um, I know that many of these survivors don't like to be called sex slaves. It's very. Derogatory. But the Halmanis that you referred to before,、uh, if, if we get to a stage where they've all passed on before our deal's done, is it still worth continuing to pursue this issue? It's more worth it than ever to pursue while they are alive and have a voice in the mediation of this history, insofar、mm. as any history that is only passed into the future without a participant's voice is then necessarily more politicized. If we're talking about the politics of apology, which we are. And so, what has made it possible, for example, for Germany to become a member of the international community in good standing again has been. The constant conversation since the end of the Nazi terror with Jewish groups, Jewish leaders, with、uh, you know, different activists that, that need their history recognized. Otherwise, this would simply be alt right versus victims' descendants、yes. all around the world. And that's where we really have the chance. And something that further attests to this not being a Japan versus Korea problem it's the work of Japanese scholars, activists, Japanese citizens bringing this history into the known world that has made it real and continues to acknowledge it. There was a call in, in one article this weekend for there to be a museum in Japan honoring the victims of sexual slavery. There already is one. The fact that it's not better known、yes. outside the, you know, it's where I go to do research. It's where many of my Korean colleagues go to do research because for the longest period of time, this group called Women's Active Museum has been. Best archived the reality of this history. But it, it is 
perhaps a lot to ask of the ordinary populace to stay focused on one issue for very long. And the problem is that under Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, we've had so many years of this that he seems to be using time as a weapon. He uses history as a weapon and therefore he uses time as a yeah. weapon. I think it's important to place what's just happened in the context of his failures in December, which very much his most important issue are the Northern Territories, what Japanese call the Northern Territories, the island dispute Japan has with Russia, the Kuriles. He had spent much political capital throughout 2016 saying that he was going to get a deal from Putin. I think Abe is probably next to Trump the only person who actually thinks they can get deals with Putin. <laughs> but Abe had really promised the Japanese people that he was going to get these territories back. He got nothing other than spending Japanese money to bribe essentially Russian participation in this ongoing conversation he's having with Putin. Also important was his visit to Pearl Harbor, which he was seeing as a bookend to having uh, Obama visit Hiroshima last May. When Abe went to uh, Pearl Harbor, I was fortunate to be in the in New York, and I was watching it on CNN. I was trying to watch Abe's speech. Abe was not shown on American television as he was giving what he wanted to call his great moment of reconciliation with the United States. CNN waited until Obama was talking. Yes. The only way to watch Abe was on a local Honolulu website streamed on your, your computer. So that was a total failure. It was just not real. I mean, yes, the New York Times put it on the front page, but nobody cared because Princess Leia had died. And so mm. I've just, he had these big moments of nothingness in December. So he returned home. His defense minister immediately visited the notorious Yaskuni shrine to shore up the base of right-wingers. And then with the Pusan statue, it was almost a gift saying, well, now we can smack Korea and that'll yes. make us look strong. You know, we could listen to you for a considerable period of time, I'm sure. It's always enlightening to have you in the studio, Professor Dudden. We've got to leave it there. We're out of time. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Professor Alexis Dudden from the University of Connecticut.